Good morning. I am Kim, and I'm part of the teaching team here at Gaten, and I'm also the kids minister. And I am so thankful um, for the conversation that we just heard, um, just the presence of people, and that is what we are going to talk about today. Um, Neighboring and being for each other is so dear to my heart, and I feel like we could just have heard what, what Sarah had to say in her interaction with this one other mom, and we could be done today. But I hope that God uses the words that I have um, to bring light and joy um, to your heart so that you may be that in this community of Short Pump. Neighboring. This has become an action word in my house over the last five years. We lived in our last neighborhood for about seven years before we moved one neighborhood over. We got to know our neighbors, their names, the comings and goings, and the happenings around the neighborhood. You see, we lived at the end of a cul-de-sac with a cozy front porch, and we would spend many nights on that porch with neighbors and friends and neighbors' kids um, and our kids playing out in the cul-de-sac. And over time, through these conversations, our neighbors became friends. We... um, We wanted to um, bring intentionality to what we were doing. And so this idea of neighboring well in our hearts just started to take root for Aaron and I. And um, we decided that we were going to make an intentional decision to neighbor well. And then we moved. So that meant a new neighborhood, new neighbors, new struggles in this idea of being a good neighbor. And here we are three years into our new neighborhood. And what is still consistent and what still matters most is intentionality. If you have been in any conversation with me over neighboring, you know that having a kid start school was a game changer for us. It opened up doors and relationships with those surrounding us right in our backyard or for us right at the corner stop sign. Heading to the bus stop for that first day of kindergarten, we were suddenly met with a flock of people in a similar life stage to us, and we had no idea what was surrounding us. But then we showed up to the bus stop that September morning, and God opened our eyes and our hearts to what this looked like to neighbor well in our new community. The same year that our oldest started kindergarten, our kids and youth team attended a conference where the theme was for your neighbor. I do not believe that this was a coincidence. This became a value that our family decided that we were going to live into. It has filtrated our ministries here at Gayton, and it is being lived out weekly by our Gayton kids in their own schools, in their communities. And it has made its way into our own family's values, and it inevitably makes the list of our annual goals each year. I've learned in many years of ministry and working with kids and parents that the best way to build bridges into homes is to be for those around you. You see, when small group leaders and teachers and coaches demonstrate that they are for my kid or for our family, They get an invitation into my kids' life, into our lives. They get a front row seat, and they get time with my kids and with our family. One of my favorite examples of someone being for my kid was last summer. 
The swim coach at our pool invited Tegan to join pre-team, which is a highly guided swim experience before you would jump all in on the swim team. And by the end of that week, she had her signed up for two events in the next swim meet. This was new to our kid because she had never even been to a swim meet. This was new to her, to us as her parents, because we were not competitive swimmers growing up. But she agreed, and so naturally we were in. In the days before the meet, Coach Lauren walked our swimmer through what she would need to know before the meet. She prepared her for the upcoming meet, and she was so for our kid in big ways and in small ways. She walked alongside our kid. You would have thought that Christmas morning, that meet day was Christmas morning in our house because our girl was pumped and we heard about it all day. We got to the pool, we picked up her event card, and Coach Lauren was right there to greet her and start getting her prepped for what was to come in the next few hours. Y'all, there were almost 100 swimmers on the swim team, and this coach was for each and every kid, and they knew it. Her first event was the 25-yard backstroke. This was something that she had never completed before in the pool, so that was kind of comical. She was signed up for an event um, that she had never actually completed. Um, so naturally, she was a little nervous, um, but Coach Lauren told her that if she would watch the first few events, these swimmers would be doing backstroke, and then she could decide what she wanted to do. And as the swimmers made their first turn in the backstroke, she said, that's it, I'm all in. I need to go find Coach Lauren, she said. And she made her way through the timers and the swimmers and parents gathered around the pool and she went up to the coach and she said, I am ready for backstroke. When the time came for her event to be called, she headed with the other swimmers to line up for the event. And Coach Lauren made her way through each and every swimmer and gave them a, pre a pep talk, especially our first time swimmer. I also watched five and six year olds high-fiving each other and living into what it means when we are for each other. Coach Lauren stayed with our kid and led her to the edge of the pool and in she went. Something else happened that moment. For me, it was one of those holy moments that you get to experience this side of heaven. One where you know that you are standing on holy ground as it is happening. What I noticed was not only was the coach for my kid, but so were dozens of other parents and swimmers and kids at the pool that day. I was probably way more nervous than Tegan was, but once she started, I looked around the pool and there were dozens of people cheering on my kid by name. I didn't even know that they knew her name, but they were cheering for her and rooting for her by using her name. In those moments, what became holy moments for me, I had never been more proud to be part of something that was so for my kid. And it leads me to think about the church. What are we doing? Are we cheering on those that we hardly know? Are we cheering on those that we know really, really well? Are we encouraging those around us? Are we starting relationships with no agenda for our neighbors. The Bible mentions 59 times to one another, one another. Love one another, honor one another, accept one another, 
instruct one another, greet one another, serve one another, forgive one another. The list goes on and on. And at that same conference I mentioned earlier, I heard Andy Stanley, a leader in today's church, say that the primary activity of the early church was one anothering one another. Y'all, the church was meant to be for each other. When we want another one another, we are for each other. We want the best for each other. We believe the best about each other. We are cheering each other on. We are high-fiving one another. The statement Andy Stanley made to close his message about one another and closed with this. When we are one another in one another, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Honoring one another, accepting one another, greeting one another, loving one another, serving one another, being for one another. Just like with the swim team, I had no idea that I wanted in on this kind of one anothering. And the same rings true for the church. When the church gets this right, those around us want in. You see, this call to one another, each other, is for the church. It is for those who choose to follow Jesus. And the effect when we want another, each other, is that people are compelled to be a part of it. People want in. When the kids and coaches and adults were for my kid on the swim team, we joined a community that I had no idea I even wanted to be a part of. When I love my neighbors the way that Jesus has called me to with no agenda or no hope for return favor, the result is that my neighbors feel loved and cared for by me. And in turn, they are open to a relationship with me where I can continue to one another, those around me. And seriously, who doesn't want to be loved, accepted, forgiven, We live in a culture that feeds the idea that I am for you if you are for me or if you can do something for me. But being for your neighbor in the church looks like no agenda attached. It looks like I'm going to love and serve you with no agenda. A preteen kid on the legit team does not have a whole lot to offer in the scope of the swim meet. But this community has learned how to cheer loud and proud and compelled us to sit through hours of heat and sweat and rainouts to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Last month, our kids' ministry looked at the value of service, making a decision to put others first. It is intentional. It may start by accident or convenience, but you ultimately make a decision that you are going to be for each other. It looks like showing up for coffee dates. It looks like bringing a muffin and juice to a kid who is sick and has missed class. It looks like dropping off diapers and wipes to a family with a new baby. It looks like living with intentionality because we live in a horizontal faith and not just a vertical one. Jesus could not have made the gospel any simpler when he said, love God 
and love others. This is what I mean by a horizontal faith. Let's take a look in the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to be in Mark 12, starting with verse 28. But in Mark 12, we find a teacher of religious law, an expert of the law. His job was to know and apply the law. He went to school and he studied the laws and he knew them inside and out. Laws and rules were important to these teachers. The law was the foundation of their profession. And they believed that religion was about laws. Verse 28, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. The debate in the previous passage was about the law and how Jesus viewed the law. He realized that Jesus had answered well, and so he asked, Of all of the commandments, which is the most important? The expert, the one who knew the laws inside and out, was asking, Jesus, what does this all come down to? And in verse 29, Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And let's be clear, Jesus is talking to those who are choosing to follow him. When he says to one another, each other, his commandment is meant for the church. Love God with all that you have. As believers, this means whatever we have, whatever we do, all that you are is meant to love God. And then Jesus says, the second commandment is equally as important. Love God and just as important, love your neighbor. And we not just love your neighbor, but love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we are really good at loving ourselves. We live in a self-indulgent, selfie society that says we love ourselves. So this is the commandment to those who choose to follow Jesus. But it is also an invitation to just love. Love God and love those around you. They are of equal importance. One another, one another. Take care of those around you. Serve those around you. Love those around you. Love your neighbor. Before your neighbor. The passage goes on to say in verse 32, the teacher of the religious law replied, well said teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all of my heart and all of my understanding and all of my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. You see, this was not new information to the religious expert. He knew the laws. The Old Testament says love God and love your neighbor. But this is the first time that someone, Jesus, is putting them together. So the religious expert is like, yeah, I know that. But then something changes. This is more important 
than all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. You see, Old Testament relationship was based on rules. It was based on laws. Offering a burnt sacrifice is what made you right with God. Following the laws of Moses, the commandments, these things made you right. And as a teacher of the law and a studier of the law, he got it. And honestly, I get it too. I'm a rule follower. You do this and this happens. You don't do this and this is the result. We even tend to make the gospel into a list of rules to follow. But when Jesus came, with him came a new way. When you look at the Ten Commandments, the first five have to do with loving God. That is our vertical relationship, our up relationship with the Lord. And the last five have to do with loving others, loving your neighbor. That is our horizontal relationship. And Jesus said, you don't need a set of rules. What you need is love. And Jesus said, I am the new way. There have been many religious experts along the way who had tried to figure out what it was all about. To take all of the rules and all of the laws and figure out what it comes down to. And up until this point, no one had been able to do that. No one could figure out what is it all about. And then Jesus enters. It's him. He is the new way. He has come and said to the religious experts, those who base their whole life on rules and regulations, and Jesus said, it's no longer about that. It is about love. It is about people. It is about relationships. You are taking your vertical relationship with God, and you are now living it out in a horizontal way. Verse 34, realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And Jesus in his interaction with this teacher sees that he gets it. It's no longer about a burnt offering or a sacrifice or rules or laws. And the religious expert has understood that. Jesus became that sacrifice and he turned our faith Outward. He turned our vertical faith, while still important, into a horizontal faith. Jesus said, This, this is what is important. This loving one another. This being for each other. This one anothering one another. When you decide to be intentional and being for your neighbors, There is an element of sacrifice. We have sat through neighbor dinners that were hard, awkward, uncomfortable, but we were committed to showing up. We have lived next door to a neighbor that we only knew existed because her garage door would go up and come right down behind her and we could never get past a wave in the driveway. We have watched tragic events play out with a neighbor family who woke up to a baby not breathing. That meant walking into the heart. That meant knocking on the door of this neighbor and saying, we see you. We are for you. 
We have cooked meals for a family at school who has a kid with cancer. And the only reason we have a connection to this family is because the sibling shares a class with our kid. And it has meant making a meal for a family unknown to us, which many of you have done in this room. And then showing up on the doorstep with a meal and a card that says, we see you and we are for you. We are cheering you on. It means living into the community that we were created for. We as a family are committed to looking and learning and waiting for opportunities the Lord is creating. The Lord has blessed us with some new relationships over the past few years. And we are taking intentional steps to enter the relationships with expectation that the Lord wants to do something in them. We have entered a relationship with one family. We have showed up when kids are sick. We have stood in the doorway and shared our feelings and our fears. We have loved in the midst of belief differences. And we have been invited in. And through that invitation has come an open door to invite into the church. And not every response has been a yes. And some responses have come with hesitancy, but there have been steps taken for this family to enter right into this place where Jesus is being made known. It has taken patience. It has taken no agenda, but just walking through the doors that the Lord opens. A commitment to witness, walking alongside families, allowing families to walk with us. It is a two-way street. It is also a marathon and not a sprint. And usually I find Jesus in the most unlikely places. The doorway of a play day pickup, a Friday night dinner with pizza, a school carnival, a swim meet. In the words of Mr. Rogers, I believe that appreciation is a holy thing. That when we look for what's best in a person we happen to be with at the moment, we are doing what God does all of the time. So in loving and appreciating our neighbor, we are participating in something sacred. Take the moment and sit in the holy. He is there. For those of you who haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to have that conversation and see what that looks like in your life. It is the job of those who choose to follow Jesus to walk alongside those that surround us. That is the believer, the non-believer, the Republican, the Democrat, the pro-choice friend, the pro-life friend, the friend that thinks differently, looks differently, acts differently. Jesus says, love me. And then go love those around you. We need each other. As a believer, this is a commandment. To love God and to love others. To cheer on those around you. We all want to be known, loved, accepted. And no matter where you are in your faith journey, you can offer that to someone else. To say, I see you. And I am for you. This is the gospel. We have been given instructions and let us consider what we do with it. How are we neighboring? How are we loving those around us? How are we loving those right in our own home? 
in our own church? Are we speaking love to those around us with no agenda attached? In just a minute, we are going to welcome our kids to sing our next song. In church, we have to get this right. Jesus said this is what it all comes down to. And we struggle to be for each other. We struggle to do that as a church, as a family member, as a friend, as a neighbor. It does not come easy. Our own agendas get in the way, our feelings get in the way, our preferences get in the way, but Jesus said this, this one anothering one another, this is what it's all about. Loving God and loving each other. Let us not get caught up in rules and regulations and laws and policies and who is right and who is not. Let us just love each other. Love God and then love those around you. When you do that, you will be walking in the way of Jesus. You will be cheering on those around you and you will be invited in to be the gospel. Jesus is for you. And so are we here at Gaten Church. So let's get this right. Let's do this, church. Won't you pray with me? God, we thank you um, that you are clear. God, you are so clear in what it all comes down to. And then it's not a list of rules to follow or behaviors to engage in, God, but you said love you and love those around us. God, you did that so well. You gave us an example that is worth following. God, we are thankful that you cheer us on, and I pray that we are able to take that love, that unconditional love that you give to us, and take it to the world around us. God, you are so good and so loving. And I pray that we can walk in your ways. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.